know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Big Money Siege. Uh, we have to look at the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs, a team that we will be dissecting uh, in the playoffs when they play against each other. That series has been uh, basically a lock since the turn of the new year. Before we get to the Toronto Maple Leafs, because uh, we know a lot of people who watch the show like to hear us talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs, we should talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning. What's wrong with them? They've lost four in a row. There was like a really short press conference over the weekend with John Cooper after the Bruins loss. They're seven points as of this recording behind the Toronto Maple Leafs. Something's not right with the Tampa Bay Lightning. But also at the same time, I'm kind of like the playoffs. Yeah. 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 I mean, look, it might just be March malaise, right? Like that's that's a thing. Like I don't want to come out here with any flaming hot takes because I think that – that would be a dangerous thing to do given all that those players have done and what that team has done. But you know, you're getting to the point now where you can't really ignore that it's 11 of the last 16 games they've lost. You know, they had a five game losing streak at the start of the month. And and that was the the period where John Cooper benched some of his stars. Mm -hmm. Um, Now here they are, you know, they, they lost a couple games in Canada. They got blown out with, with their backup, Brian Elliott and Ned in Ottawa. They lost to Montreal. They played a lot better actually on Saturday in Boston, but you know, lost two one to the by far the best team in the league. So I'm not sure there's any real shame in that. But it just they they certainly aren't, you know, barnstorming their way towards the end of this regular season. And so I think maybe the question for me is like, do we worry about them? Does it matter? Like I, I think you asked that about any team that's headed for the playoffs when they maybe struggle at this stage, but especially a team that's done as much as they have in the postseason and they still have so much star quality in their lineup, like. Are you worried about them? I don't know. I'm not, man. Like, God, I know we kind of touched off on it on a, on a previous episode a couple of episodes ago. But until Tampa, like, loses, whether it's in the first round or whatever round, I'm not inclined to worry about them. They're a team that has done it. They've, In my mind, they're the best team of the salary cap era. They've, they've shown me that they are to be trusted when the chips are down and it really matters in the playoffs. Like I, I, I want to get worked up for this. I can't like, all right, you lost four in a row in the regular season. Whoop de doo. Like I, it's and just... five in a row though. They had a five game losing streak and a four game losing streak in like recent memory. Like, come on. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like you. I don't want, to say that the lightning are done and then in the first round they like sweep the leaves or something and then they end up in the conference final and everyone's like oh wait remember when everyone was worried about the lightning well i'll go even further i'm not worried about being clipped and being wrong i actually just i i can't equate what's happening in the short term now and say that it it spells doom on the horizon that i guess that's where i'm at julian like like i look at this it's it's how else could you earn more benefit of the doubt than three straight trips to the Stanley cup finals. And then in addition to that, and I know they were swept, you know, in 2019 by Columbus in the first round after a 60 plus win season. But if you go back even further and further and further, like these guys have just been gamers for so long, been to, to so many Stanley cup finals that, you know, lost a couple of times in game seven, of the Eastern conference final. Like they've just, they've been through everything and more often than not, or often enough to be legends 
you know, have prevailed. It's hard to, it's hard to really be like, Oh, wow. They, you know, they lost the game in Ottawa. That didn't mean shit to shit. I mean, like, like that's, that's just the truth. And, and, but at the same time, like John Cooper, as you, you sort of alluded to there, he did a 42nd press conference after the loss in, in Boston and he wasn't hot or anything. Like, like I'm sure most of our listeners didn't hear it. Like he was calm and he answered five questions <laughs> But if you know John Cooper the way I know John Cooper, I mean, this is this guy, he's brought the 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 good, the strong oratorial um qualities needed to be a lawyer to the, the coaching profession, to his media duties, right? He he often can answer 90 seconds eloquently on any topic. And so the fact that that he's you know quipped to 40 seconds, I mean, I just it just shows that there's strain there, right? Or there's I, I won't use the C word being concerned. But, but I think that there's like, like there's tension, right? Like they have to, clearly they need to get better than what they've been. They, they, they can't just slide into the playoffs and expect to flip the key, but then you wonder if they will. And anyway, I, I think it's one of the more sort of under the radar storylines right now in the NHL, maybe not getting a ton of attention, probably because everyone thinks the same way we do, Julian, that, that like no one wants to hit the, the panic button yet. We're not, we're not taking the glass case off and going, oh. You got to think about it. I guess so. Uh, 40 seconds is like Daryl Sutter territory. What's an average Daryl Sutter press conference? Because you probably transcribe most of them. So you actually see the number. Uh, average for me is like, I think it depends on the situation. If we get Daryl Sutter on an off day, I find that's when he's kind of at his best and he's able to at least try to explain stuff as best as he can. Right. That can go about five minutes. If we're getting in post game, that average goes down to like two minutes and then game day. Okay. Maybe a little around then a little more. I would say the average is like two and a half minutes. If you're at a point where he's talking that's, seven, nine minutes, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And that's different considering like being in Montreal, like the average is like 15 minutes. Right. Well, you got two languages coach. there. So that's unique. I mean, the, I like the efficiency. The one thing our listeners that haven't done this job won't realize, especially when you're day to day on a beat, the way you are Julian with it, you get to know everyone's speaking pattern so much. Cause literally you're in these scrums with them every day. And then you're transcribing what they say, you know, like when Mike Babcock came to Toronto, he basically had an unofficial five minute limit. He never went over five minutes, which I appreciate it. Cause like, it's not, if, if we're going to say one tough part of the job or, or a least appreciated part of the job for me, I would say is transcribing interviews. It just gets monotonous. It takes time, blah, 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 blah. I mean, first world problems. I get it. But, you know, I like, I like when a coach can be sort of like interesting and quick because we had Randy Carlisle with the Leafs before that. He was very long. I mean, bless Randy. I like them a lot. I mean, Sheldon Keefe is like that in Toronto nowadays. Like he's, he can get on 10 or 12 minute. He's very accommodating with the press, frankly. Like if you ask him a, spe a very specific question, he'll give you a high detailed answer. But to to transcribe that every day, as you know, my colleagues Mark Masters or Jonas Siegel are down there doing that every day. David Alter, you know that that gets long. So sometimes a shorter coach is is maybe better. John Cooper, though, not a shorter coach, except for no. on Saturday. That's that's what got my attention. It's not just the losing streak. It's just it's him being a little out of character. I think shows that that's a team that's a little out of character. I think it it maybe gives us a little bit of you know drops a little bit of rose petals in the garden, like something isn't totally right there yet. And do you know what's great? 
Tuesday night, they play Carolina, one of the other best teams in the league. So I think I think that'll be certainly a game worth watching and circling and seeing what happens because the stakes are high for the Lightning. And obviously the Hurricanes are still trying to to wrap up the Metropolitan Division and, and you know get all the points they can there. Okay. So I know we have the Leafs we have to get to, but there's two things in my head that are kind of buzzing right now. And I want you to pick because if we pick one, I'm going to go all in on that before we get to the Leafs. All right. Do we talk more about the life of a beat writer transcribing all that stuff and different techniques. Cause like you're going in on like all the, like that's something that we all do, but also like otter.ai exists, right? Like that's interesting. That's like behind the scenes stuff. Or do we talk about something else that's very under the radar? And I want your opinion on how under the radar it is. I won't say what it is, but like, Pick which side I should go next. Let's go under the radar, but I'm just going to like cheat and put my two cents in and say that nothing is more efficient than truly listening every day. If you're the beat writer, like, like how people say things, what they say, transcribing yourself, just my opinion, everyone's got their own process, but I think you can learn a lot in how someone says something. So as well, as much as Otter, you're right. Like AI and Otter can give you the words. I think how someone says something can really tell you a little bit more, but I mean, look, I, I realize I'm, said. I'm, I'm an old man yelling at a cloud by saying that I know it. Cause I'm sure all the young beat writers are ottering the hell out of the league right now. But also like otter is like, like I don't just put stuff in otter and then just like rip it. Like I click on the words and I hear the audio because sometimes like a word is missed or you, you see a word that's there, but it should actually be something else. Like it's very important to still do that. It just saves a lot of time. Also in Calgary, uh, I don't know if the, I'm sure this doesn't happen in Toronto. That definitely didn't happen in Montreal. What will happen is, I guess, cause there's so few of us, like we'll each like pick a guy who said something and we'll each transcribe it. And then we all put it in an email. We send it out to everybody. Right. Yeah. I've seen, I mean, that, that happens with playoffs. I'm just saying, I think for, for me, I love, I, I think there's value in hearing it all yourself, but look at, we're in an efficiency business. I don't, and I'll, I'll say it right now, I'm not writing to the degree I ever had to in the way to the volume you are. And a lot of the beat writers are out there. So however, you got to get the job done. You got to get the job done because the demands are high on, on those on the front lines. Okay. Let's get to the under the radar thing. And I want to know if you agree with this is Nikita Kucherov having the quietest 100 point season in recent memory. Yes. I think sorry, like, I'd love to, I'd love to say no, but he's getting no love. He's what in the top five and scoring as we're recording this, probably going to finish he's, there. He's third. He's third in points. I mean, basically whenever Nikita Kucherov has a fully healthy season and granted it's been basically since the pandemic year, since that's happened. I mean, a hundred points is his baseline. He does that in his sleep. And Nikita Kucherov is, he's an interesting guy. He's quiet all around until, you know, he starts dunking on Montreal or something after a cup final yeah. win. You know, like he's he's quiet until he's not, but he's, you know, he's generally pretty quiet. He doesn't have a big personality, doesn't have a big profile. That the lightning, you know, for as great a team they are, they don't get a lot of coverage compared to some other teams. So I think there's a lot of reasons for that. But I I'm with you that that I, I actually I was doing my newsletter on Sunday for for North Star Bets, and I do a little top five thing at the bottom of that. And and I'm not always good with rankings. I'm always trying to like find something. And I was like, Okay, we all know Connor McDavid's winning the Hart Trophy, but who would be my five nominees in a in a non Connor McDavid division for like an MVP? And you know, obviously, then I I really looked through it, and Kucherov made the list. He was in definitely in the top five. But you're right, I haven't heard much about him this year, and 
He just he just does his thing, man. He's a magician with the puck. He's he's insane, especially when the Lightning have like when they're set up in the in the zone or when they're on a power play. Like you don't know, he could do a crazy back pat. Like you just don't know where it's going, whether it's a shot or a pass. And and you know he's 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 one of the best. He is one of the best, and uh, I'm glad we were able to get through that talking about transcribing and Nikita Kucherov. That makes me happy. Um, let's talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yes. Let's talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs and the goaltending. Uh, yeah, we I knew are going to go there. Uh, <laughs> what have you heard? Have, like you do Toronto radio a lot. You 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 do those you do those shows. Like how often do you get asked? Like you know who's going to start Game One of the Stanley Cup playoffs for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Like how often do you get asked that per week? That's a daily. That's especially lately. But that's a daily question. But it's been a question way back in the season. And I actually understand the root of the question. Look, what was the storyline about the Leafs entering the year? Like they've taken this massive gamble on their goaltending, you know, bring in mm-hmm. Matt Murray, who's been injured, um, you know, bring in Ilya Samsonov, who wasn't even qualified by the Washington Capitals last year, just was, you know, cut free as a free agent in his mid twenties um, at, at, you know, low dollar figure. Cause they had cap restrictions and they let Jack Campbell go to Edmonton for a big money deal. And the truth of the matter is it's worked out fantastically well. Like it is, it has exceeded anyone's, neutral expectations the Leafs are top 10 in the league in team save percentage I don't think very many people would have predicted that at all you might have found people who said hey this is a team that can win in spite of you know poor goaltending at times because they, they obviously have offensive firepower but the way it's turned out you know Samsonov has been ridiculously steady he's 18-2-2 and on home ice which is a crazy split you know Matt Murray's been injured you know they got Joe Wall cooking in the American Hockey League he got a win on Sunday so it's Somehow they're patching it together, but then there's still that underlying worry, right, Julian? It, 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 who plays the big game? Who plays a game seven if there's another game seven? Um, you know, and so I, I think it's a fair question. What's funny is everyone wants an answer today, you know? Like, I've, I've thought about this. Like, I I, 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 I want an answer from you <laughs> right. today. Well, so this is how I look at it. Matt Murray was clearly brought in to be the starter in a big moment. Like that, like that's not a mystery. Like the guy's won two Stanley cups at his age. He's, you know, if you look at his entire record in the Stanley cup playoffs, I think he's like a nine twenty three save percentage, something in that range. Anyway, he's been consistently, he's, he's performed under the spotlight on the biggest games um, he's delivered. And so I could see why you'd want that, but he hasn't been their best goaltender this season, but th- this is not a bad thing i would argue like the fact that you have someone like that and he has played pretty well here matt murray's won two of his last three starts he's looked better even in some of the losses they played a pretty good game in carolina on saturday uh in which he took a loss but you know i think he he wasn't you're not hanging that one around your goaltender's neck um you know i think he's still there but to me look based on what you said off the top there seven point difference between the teams i'm going to go ahead and just pronounce it now at, at the risk of being radioed of myself in the future Game one of the Leafs Lightning series will be at Scotiabank Arena on or about April 17th, three weeks today. If I'm the Leafs, unless something happens in the meantime, like an injury or a crazy good or bad run by other guy, you're probably starting, in my opinion, Ilya Samsonov in game one of that series. Because he's barely lost on home ice this year, because he has consistently performed at a good level, and because you have Matt Murray in the bullpen, and you know that if it goes terribly wrong in game one, you, you can trot out a guy who's, you know, and look, when you look at the two cups that Murray won in Pittsburgh, him and Marc-Andre Fleury danced back and forth. I mean, it was Matt Murray when it mattered, 
in terms of being the, the final games of the Stanley Cup final and all that. But like he he was in and out through those playoffs. You can't say that there isn't a pattern there. We have Boston Bruins, you know, the best team by far in the league. You know, they're talking about, you know, riding Allmark and Swayman in the playoffs. Like, I think this is, this will be the new normal. I, my, I don't know when the new normal begins. Maybe it's this year. But there's only so many Vasilevskis in the league or Sorokins, you know, you know guys that you just 100% start every game unless they're injured. And more and more teams, I think, have these decisions. And so I, I actually don't see it as that complicated of a decision for Toronto. You start Samsonov in game one at Scotiabank Arena where he's won like 95% of his starts this year. And then you just react game by game. You see what happens. You're totally comfortable with either player. And look, you might even have a, a situation where Joseph Wall plays a game in the playoffs. Like I'm not willing to rule that out. You know, that, that probably involves something going really sideways or an injury, but like every team that wins a cup needs depth. And, and I think the Leafs at least should feel good about their depth. They, they might not have, the absolute top end, of course, they don't have the Vasilevsky. They don't have that fear factor. They don't have Carey Price in his prime or some of those goaltenders, Henrik Lundqvist, back in his prime days with the Rangers when they were going on all those long playoff runs. But they 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 do have options. And I think it's pretty clear to me that they start with Samsonov and go to Murray. But, of course, they don't listen to me. I tell you that all the time. They, they, don't, they don't listen to my opinions too often. Well, I don't know. I mean, like... Then again, if they get into that habit of listening to either of us for their for for opinions, I don't know if that's a good <laughs> right. Thing. Then they're going to be working with us at the SDPN. Could you imagine like Kyle Dubas, the Kyle Dubas podcast on the SDPN? I can imagine it. I mean, it's probably Is that a good thing or a bad thing. That's like 20 years down the road when Kyle's like done everything he wants on that side of his profession and. You know, because I've seen it, right? Like I'm with Bruce Boudreau on trade deadline day at TSN. And over the years, there's been a number of guys from Mike Keenan. And I remember in my early days at Sportsnet, I worked with, you know, a number of people that I sort of knew in one way become, you know, across the, the line. I mean, I, I even covered Frankie Corrado with the Leafs. I remember talking to Frankie in a oh reporter God. in a reporter player relationship. It wasn't even really that long ago. We're talking six years or something like it's not so long ago. It's in the foggy recesses of my brain. And then all of a sudden, you know, Frankie's a teammate at TSN. So. Yes, anything's possible, and I and I'm very bullish on the SDPN. I don't know if you saw the new set, Julian, but the the boys did a great job there, and I can't wait till I get you, me, and reporter, or sorry, reporter Nick, producer Nick, in the building. Reporter and Nick, well, he, Ooh. he gives us some scoops Great. sometimes. Ooh, okay, all right, yeah, I can't wait to be in the studio either. Uh, I caught a bit of uh, the new SDP episode uh, where they're in it. It looks pretty sweet. I'm I was surprised that like. You know, like that's like that's I thought that was just that set, but it seems to me, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. There's it's there's more than that set in the building. Yeah. I mean, our guys aren't scaling up for one show. Have you seen how but, many I mean, people? I, I, I thought it was going to be like, like like one cool set. It's easy to lose track. We started off with like 10 teammates. Now we got 30 or 40 teammates. I mean, it's seriously our guys are scaling. We got good things going on. Bad news in other segments of the media. Great news at the STP. Yeah, bet on us. absolutely. Absolutely. Bet on us. Uh, and uh, speaking of betting, uh, we have You Can Bet That as a segment, and then we will get to uh, some other topics. Uh, we'll talk about Hockey Canada. We'll talk about uh, a little tribute we want to do. Uh, not really a tribute, but just we got to shout out uh, some of that bad news in media. And of course, it's Ask CJ Monday. So we'll get to those questions and Ask CJ. But uh, let's get to You Can Bet That first. 
You can bet that with David Bastel. Brought to you by Sports Interaction. Get in the action and make a play. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Welcome to You Can Bet That. Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. Uh, I pulled up another one of Dangle's doozies. It's called Leafing the Haters Behind. Ooh. Who comes up with these titles? Uh, do the Leafs. Is this a riff on Joe Biden ripping on the Leafs in the Canadian Parliament? Oh, do, we, do you want to talk about that? Joe Biden ripping on the Leafs? No, but I'm guessing that's where a lot of these <laughs> questions are coming from. Like, we don't need to go in on that, but that's it's been a topic uh, in it these parts. It has been a topic. It has been a topic in those parts, uh, I can imagine. Uh, in the meantime, uh, do the Leafs make it to the second round of the playoffs? Uh, Sports Interaction has a yes at minus 233. No at plus 160. Do the Leafs make it to the second round of the playoffs? You don't have to answer that question. Wow. I mean, they have them as overwhelming favorites. Yeah. I, and and I actually don't think that's unfair, honestly. Because no. look, at, we all, from a storyline standpoint, want to say, well, it's just the Leafs. But if you haven't been watching the Leafs much these days, you might need a lineup card to recognize the faces. Like, there, there's a significant number of new bodies there. And obviously it comes down to the big players, the ones you probably know what Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews and Morgan Riley and John Tavares and William, you know, those guys, they, they don't, uh, they don't need an introduction and they'll probably dictate whether or not this goes in a positive direction or not. But you know, this, this isn't the same team as six years ago and the franchise will get branded a certain way, but you know, they're certainly playing better than lightning these days. They're going to finish more than likely with more points. And they actually outscored the Lightning head to head in a seven game series as recently as last spring, 24 23. So I don't think it's such a crazy idea, but that's that's a heavy. If, if you're betting the odds, I'm almost just like, wow, you take the better odds. It's not, it's not, that's not even hating on the Leafs. It's just like they're almost an overwhelming favorite in Dangle's doozy. So I wonder what Dangle himself would pick. I feel like he's, he's accustomed to expect the worst. I feel like we should either, but probably after the show, we could just ask him. Just text yeah. and be like, hey, what are you doing for this? Here, well, okay, I'll just go out on a limb and I'll say yes, they're going to win a playoff series. Oh, we're going to wow. see them. Holy, we're see them play. wow. This big day for you. We're going to say them play in the second round this year. Wow, okay. So for those keeping I'm track, not going farther than that, just so you know. Like, that's it. But I'm saying that they will advance through one playoff round this spring. So CJ says, Ilya Samsonov starts game one and the Leafs will win a round. That's why you come to the home. show. You wanted some opinions. That's my opinion. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm glad we get your opinions. Uh, remember uh, to check out sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all the best odds before game, in-game, and the best props. Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. Hi, everyone. I'm Tim Haraney. You may know me from such films as Driven. <laughs> Anybody? No, you may not get that one, but you will. Don't ever watch that movie. It's horrible. Okay, seriously, though, I have a brand new Formula One and IndyCar podcast on the SDPN called Nailing the Apex. So I grew up in the sport of auto racing. I raced go-karts as a kid and eventually got to live my dream of becoming a professional racing driver. I raced at one of the highest levels of motorsports that you can get to, and I got to race all over the world and against some of the best that the sport has to offer. Now I work in the media as an F1 and IndyCar insider. I get to use my 30 plus years of experience to break news and to report on the sport that I love. So whether you're new to the paddock or you're a seasoned fan, 
Check us out, Nailing the Apex. We're dropping three episodes every week featuring the biggest stories in racing, special guests from all over the world, and more. So subscribe to Nailing the Apex on your favorite podcast app and catch up on previous episodes now on the SDPN YouTube channel. Thanks for your warm welcome, everyone. I really appreciate it. SDPN fans, you guys are great, and I can't wait to connect with you. So it's lights out, and away we go over to my podcast. So for those who listen to the ads, uh, are you sure you don't want to talk about Joe Biden? Taking a swipe at the Leafs. This is your last chance. <laughs> well, I just don't have a hot take on it. I mean, no, we don't need any hot takes. It's really just more like, wow, the president of the United States is all like, I don't like the Leafs because they beat my Flyers. I won't tell you who said this, but someone who works for an HL team texted me about that unsolicited. And he said, if he's just keeping track of who beat the Flyers this year, I mean, he would hate a lot of teams. He would. But he, he, chose, would. he chose the Leafs, though. So it, it's funnier to say the Leafs than like the Canadians. Oh man. Did you, I just saw the one sort of side view of the Canadian parliament, like the MPs, like they just erupted. Like those, they, they got they, up. They they were like excited to laugh about the Leafs getting ripped in parliament. So, oh yeah. I, I mean, I, I shouldn't say ripped, but being like chided or being poked. Um, Yeah. I mean, I guess it's easy. Look at it, it's easy content, right? Someone asked me about it. And, and I don't know if you're going to use this and ask CJ, but I did answer it the newsletter. Like, I think it's sort of like it's easy to poke fun at the Cowboys or to hate on the Yankees. Like, I think it's the same kind of thing. I get it. There's an outsized amount of coverage of the Leafs. They have a larger fan base than any other team, certainly in Canada and arguably probably in the entire league or certainly up there. And they haven't won anything since like my dad was a kid and I've got gray in my beard. So like, it's, it's pretty easy to find reasons to, to want to poke them. I like, I understand like it's, there's this weird, there's like a human condition, right? Like, why do we have rivalries? Why do we, I grew up in this small town called Coburg and we had like a rivalry with this other town called Port Hope. And unless you're from a very specific part of the world, you've never heard of those two places. But when I played like minor hockey, it was like a big deal to like want to beat Port Hope and to play Port Hope. Um, And I think that my, my, Sorry, my story here isn't about my specific circumstances with my towns, but I think this repeats itself across like human history and everywhere. And I don't know why it's in us to do that. So you, you want to sort of poke, you know, the the big cat or the, you know, Toronto's a big city in Canada. It's an economic engine of the country. I get why I get why people at West hate it. I'll tell you this. When I was when I was young, the first time I went to Vancouver, like I'm talking like my my university days. There was an ad in the newspaper. It was when you still had a newspaper. And literally, it was a full-page ad for a beer. And it was just a picture of the beer. And it just said, not available in Toronto. Like, that was the <laughs> en- that was the entire ad campaign. It was just like, you can drink this here, but not in Toronto. Like, you should get on this. So, uh, I mean, certainly, with I'm getting into, like, Canada minutia. I, I know we have listeners everywhere. Um, but I think I think that's what that's all about. And, and to be honest, Joe Biden is, what, given... 15 speeches or media availabilities a day. It's probably some PR person got in his ear or someone who's just like, Hey, this would probably play well. Or some speech writer, like put that in there. And now I've just wasted five minutes of our podcast <laughs> trying to break down like why CJ, that happened and what's going on. CJ, you never waste a moment on the podcast. Stop saying that. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Like it, it's I like know. one of these things. Like, it's like, do you think Joe Biden, like how many Leafs players could Joe Biden name? Austin I bet, Matthews? I bet less than three. 
Austin Matthews has to be the first one he thinks of, right? Oh, I don't know. Like, I get that every politician wants to kind of just be associated with things. Like, I don't know if he actually likes it. Like, I guess he went to Flyers games once upon, like, he's, I mean, he's the leader of a, you know, a major country in the free world. Like, I get that, like, he probably doesn't have the time. The major to... country in the free world. Right. I'm guessing he's not tuning into center ice too much. No. And I, that's, but in all fairness, too, we got to get like, I don't think he knows who Austin game. Matthews is. Seriously. I don't think that's far fetched. Now that I really think about it, I don't think it's far fetched that the U.S. president doesn't know who Austin Matthews is. I don't so, think it's far fetched. I guess my point is, is like, what does it really? You matter? might know who Sidney Crosby is, though. Sure, or or like Alex Ovechkin, who or like, you know, like guys. Like, I'm not Washington. saying he's never heard of any current NHL player, but my point is, is he's not like chirping the Leafs because they you know, lost that game in Carolina on Saturday. Like, like he does have no idea what's going on. Right. I think someone put that in his ear. Um, this is interesting though. Cause I, this is weird, but since the tradition of bringing the Stanley cup to the white house has begun, no Canadian team has won, but if a Canadian team did win, like would they be invited to the white house or would they just go to the Canadian parliament? Like how would that work? You know, what's wild. I had that exact conversation with Ian Mendez on the Monday edition of the athletic hockey show. Okay. We were trying to figure out like, you know, has a team who has won the stand like has a team who has won the Stanley Cup in Canada gone to Parliament Hill? Well, the that? Raptors. Like, we're trying to think if the Rapt did the Raptors do that? I don't think they went to Parliament Hill. No, but I don't think no. they went to the White House either. Because I, I wonder how much COVID derailed all of that. And that's yeah, like I don't know, but yeah, my point is is this: I think the Leafs would be less inclined to accept that invite now. Yeah, I think yeah, you might hear a few people like. Well, oh, maybe Joe Biden wouldn't want to extend the invite now. It'd be like yeah, a little no. bit like, hey, remember that time I shit on you? Like you're not coming to my house party now. Like you let's beat be my flyers. Is, I don't want you anywhere near where I live. This is awkward um, for everybody. Anyway, I can't wait until the uh, title of this episode is uh, "Joe Biden hates the Leafs." Well, it should be. And it's our faces just like shocked at Joe Biden uh, at during his little like media availability. Yeah, we're classing up our YouTube quality here. I love it. <laughs> we're getting Your some good. Thumbnails. Really good for that, by the way. I'm told you don't sleep on the SDPN. No, sir. Okay. Let's talk about uh, some teams chasing a playoff spot, uh, which unfortunately for Joe Biden do not include the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, let's start in the East though. Uh, the Florida Panthers, they're still hanging on uh, for a chance at making the playoffs. They're on a three game losing streak as we're doing this. Uh, Pittsburgh and the New York Islanders are in some wild card spots. Are you ready to call it? Are those two teams, Pittsburgh and New York, are those the two teams that are going to be in in the wild card? Or do you think Florida has a chance? Oh, they've got a chance. I'd love to call it. I'd love to give you some hot takes on this, but come on. There's still too many games left to say. None of those teams at this stage is truly good enough to be like, yeah, 100%. They're going to win six of the last eight and, and it's done and dusted. I mean, Pittsburgh, they got the, they sort of have like an old champion's heart, right? Like they, they, have these players and and they're doing everything they can. They're, they're going through injuries. They've got the longest um, playoff streak in, in the NHL that's active. Like I wouldn't, I'm not counting those guys out fully, but they're kind of like a wounded animal. Florida, you know, really, if you look back, like they, they've done well to get it this close from, from how far back they were in December or January, Um, you know, small bump in the road, but I'm not, I'm not ruling them out. And, you know, I think the Islanders on the strength of goaltending are probably I'm feeling the most comfortable with. If 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 you gave me those three teams and said who are you most comfortable making the playoffs, I would say 
Uh, New York is the most likely of that three trio, but uh, truthfully, I expect this to go down to the right to the last weekend of the season. I mean, it's uh, there, there's a reason why teams are where they're at. Like I was looking at the Western Conference side of this equation, Julian. Like yeah. the the Flames that you cover, the Jets, uh, the Predators, like all these teams are kind of in that mix. They're all about five and five in their last ten. I mean, some of them are five three and two or five four and one. But re- really, I mean, the teams are basically accumulating the same number of points, and so. The truth is, is if one of those teams gets hot and wins six or seven of eight to finish the season, which is not impossible, they probably get in. Like that, that's that's basically what we're down to. I mean, no one is clearly demonstrably way better than the other teams. It's it's sort of about who can sort of keep it together, not leak too much oil, and and get the job done. Um, so I'm, I'm not I'm not making any bold predictions just yet on those wildcard teams on either side of the draw, uh, and I'm not ruling the Panthers out. I, I actually. I kind of expect the Panthers to make it if I'm being honest. I mm. I don't you know, that team it's a it's a big drop off from last year of course and and they've lost some players, but I I still think that team has underperformed a touch this year and I think Matthew Kachuk has been great for them even though it doesn't look as, you know, they they go make that big splash of a trade and so his season gets lost in the ether a little bit because they've taken a step back as a franchise, but I you know, I I just have a hunch that they're going to find their way into the playoffs. Okay, let's move away from the wild card for a second. Let me put you on the spot here. Which of these three divisional battles intrigues you the most? Is it Carolina and New Jersey in the Metropolitan Division, where Carolina has a three-point advantage on the New Jersey Devils? Both teams have clinched playoff spots. It's just a matter of figuring out who wins that division. Is it the Central Division, where Minnesota is currently atop it right now at 93 points, and Colorado and Dallas are both tied for the second spot in the division at 92 points, or is it the Pacific division where you have Vegas up on Los Angeles by only two points. And even though there's only a few games left, not a lot of time Edmonton is uh seven points back of Vegas uh, seven, two and one, their last 10, it would take a lot for them to get to that point. And maybe people, maybe Connor McDavid should care a little bit more about getting to 70 goals than that, but you can't rule them out yet. Which of these divisional races intrigues you the most? It's the Pacific division for me. Like I haven't been able to figure out what the hell is going on at the division all year long. Like it, it has been a grab bag, you know, Seattle was at or near the top for a long period of time. Obviously they've fallen back. They're still in a wild card spot. Um, you know, LA was for a long time, barely holding on and not getting any goaltending. Now they're getting some goaltending. Now they've shot up Vegas kind of maybe a bit below the radar this year. Is that fair? I, I don't know. Like, like they, I think that's fair. They won what? They used four different goalies in four straight games and won. They're eight to they're eight and two in their last ten games. I mean, they're missing their captain Mark Stone, and we don't know if we'll see him again this season with after back surgery. Um, you know, they're, they're but they're patching it together. Uh, Edmonton, I think, is always intriguing. Like I, I, Edmonton is like Toronto West for me. Like it's like the same kind of vibe. Um, probably on it's supercharged, of course, having McDavid, especially the year he's having. And even Drysidle, but but they they've got sort of goalie drama that's on again, off again. They win a lot of games six five, which is fun for entertainment, but might be bad for long term success when when you're playing the best teams in the league in a best of seven. So I I think the Pacific and and it really matters who plays whom and and how that shakes out. And there's still there's still I like if you're asking me, and I know you weren't, I think LA is going to win the division. I just got a feeling that it's going to be the Kings. Um, but that's the most intriguing to me because I, I don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs in the Pacific. You know, spoiler alert, 
I expect Colorado to be really good in the playoffs again. So yeah. if they finish, if they somehow finish wild card, or if they finish third or second, or if they end up winning the central, it doesn't change how I view them. Like I just think that they they are a sleeping giant, ready to ready to roar again. But I, I the Pacific could be a, a toss up, right? And and the Pacific gave Edmonton a conference final berth last year, or, or Edmonton earned a conference final berth through that division. So I, I see it similarly to a year ago, where everything's on the table for teams in that division. Yeah, man, that's going to be very fun uh, to watch uh, for the final 10 or nine or eight games uh, for all of these teams, uh, whether in the East or the Western Conference. And of course, uh, covering the uh, the Calgary Flames, uh, they're still alive, technically uh, four points behind Winnipeg uh, for that second and final. I'm getting old yeller vibes out of Calgary, though, like a little bit. You, You just think it's about that time. Just take them to the back. You walk them down. That's probably not fair. I know they've lost a, just a thousand one goal games. Like it's not like they're they're not being thoroughly outclassed, but I just I don't know if they have it in them to rip off a six out of eight wins kind of situation. They have they've only had two instances this year where they've won three games in a row. Yeah, like that's that's tough. Like I I want I I want to see them like fight to the end too for the story of it, but like. Did they just keep shooting themselves in the foot when we like when they're not supposed to be doing that? Like you think, all right, cool. They they get a point against Dallas, even though they didn't play all that well. You drop a point against Arizona. You lose a game to An- Anaheim. Like there's been every, too many of those moments. But everyone in that position has that, right? Like the teams around them are running away either. Like Winnipeg feels like it's been leaking oil for a while. Yeah. Seattle might have got things right. They've had, they've had a successful road trip that they're on right now, but they were they were losing. Like nobody's ran away and hid from them either. That, that's the counterpoint. If they can get hot, that's a big if. They're still in it. Very big if. Yeah, we'll have going. to see how it goes for the rest of the year for those with those teams, and uh, we'll try to do some periodic updates uh, with regards to uh, these situations going on in the Eastern and the Western Conference. Okay, two more things before we get to ask CJ. Uh, a couple of minutes before we started uh, recording, uh, Rick Westhead dropped a report for TSN, uh, the latest with regards to Team Canada's 2018 World Junior Team that has been under investigation of an alleged group sexual assault. Uh, the latest we are able to say, thanks to Rick's reporting, is that players from that team will not be allowed to play for the senior national team until the investigation has reached its end. Uh, they didn't specify of, of like of the four or five or six or how many small group number of players. It seems as if everyone from that team will not be allowed to play for the national team until that investigation has been completed. That literally dropped a couple of minutes uh, before we started recording and uh, the upcoming tournament uh, where we would see uh, Hockey Canada take part, at least the senior men's side, would be the world championships uh, in Finland and Latvia. In mid in mid May, uh, Doug Armstrong, uh, Steve Eiserman are part of that leadership group. I think Shane Doan is as well. Do I have yeah, that right? He's, he's yeah. the assistant GM. Yeah. And look, there's no controversy in this decision. This is the right decision, right? It's essentially it's not casting guilt on anybody, but it's it's also saying we're not going to let anyone wear the uniform again until this is is been thoroughly investigated, completed. You know, I think that this has probably gone on a bit longer than most people would like to see, but. You know, the one counterpoint I would say, because we all want to rush to judgment and we all want to find everything out this second, is that especially in something as sensitive as this situation, I do think it is important to get it right. And let's just hope. And, and so I'm giving them some benefit of the doubt when it term, when it comes to the timing of this report, 
um, any potential NHL sanctions. It's all contingent on the idea that they're, because I do know that, you know, going back to the start of 2023, that I know that there was some players or individuals involved with this that were brought back for subsequent interviews. Like, obviously this is not something you want to just rush to judgment on. Uh, but in the meantime, why, I mean, it, it sucks. Cause there's, there's probably, there's, there's probably players that clearly hockey Canada or the investigators in this case, know 100% were not involved that could potentially be world you know, participants in this tournament. But I think just for the benefit of everyone, this makes the most sense. I mean, really you're only talking as I look at the standings quickly here, Julian, you got Carter Hart was part of that 2018 team and his Philadelphia Flyers will miss the playoffs. So he would have potentially been, you know, an option. You have two uh, St. Louis blues, Jordan Cairo, and uh, Robert Thomas, you know, and they have, they both play for Doug Armstrong in St. Louis and Doug Armstrong's putting together the team for hockey Canada. So they're, they're ruled out. I mean, there's a few other maybe fringe members of the team that might've been in the same spot, but it's not really that many. And I, th I think it's, I think it's the right thing to do until you have some clarity or certainty on, on, you know, what's going to happen with 2018. And look, as part of Rick has Rick West says reporting, there's more more pressure on hockey Canada to bring that to a conclusion. I know the, the sitting committee in the house of commons has asked for that to be clarified and wrapped up soon. And so we'll see what happens. Quick, quick mention too, on the world championships, Doug Armstrong and Steve Eisenman are the two lead dogs on that. I found that very interesting. I mean, these guys, if you look back on the number of teams they put together for hockey Canada, it's, it's basically, I mean, obviously Eisenman was at the helm in 2010 and 2014 for the Olympic gold medals, Doug Armstrong. I mean, these guys have been part of it for 15 years and it just, it made me wonder, Julian, this is, this is a, we didn't discuss this, but it's, it's quick aside. Like these are the top executives. I would say that you could have put together a team like this. I wonder if we see more top players follow them to the world championships because we have no best on best. Um, so maybe, maybe we start seeing this might be a more interesting world championship than, than from a Canadian perspective than we've had in the past, because all these players know that there's no, there's nowhere to get international competition. So this is, this is the best that it gets. Like that is an interesting way of looking at it. Um, I wonder just because like, at least on a best on best, even if it's the middle of the year, it's like, there's the allure of playing for the Olympics, but like you go through a whole 82 game season. Do you want it? I mean, some guys do, obviously they, they, they do it. Like, like absolutely. When you're, when you're prepping each summer, you're doing yeah. with the idea of playing until June, like That's every true. NHL player. And so as much fun as it is to go on vacation, maybe on April 15th, like why not delay it a month? You can still go like to me, the real That's competitive true. players. I vote look at I'm I should I should actually put my biases out on the table here. I covered sure. seven world hockey championships earlier in my career. I think that tournament is criminally underreported on, under discussed, and under covered, frankly, from a North American perspective. I think it's it's fantastic hockey. I think it's still a lot of fun. I get it. And I've also been to two Olympics as well. So it's 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 not the Olympics. I get that, but it's still pretty darn good. And so I've always thought more players should go uh, more of the top players from the Canadian team. And uh, I just wonder maybe this year we'll see them. I mean, Steve Eisen's making the call. I think it's a little different than, and I, I say this with respect, but a little harder to say no to Steve. I like Steve Eisenman's given up his time to go do it and be part of it. Same with Doug Armstrong. I mean, both these guys, they're the equivalent of the veteran player who's done a lot already for the program. And they're, they're still answering the call. And so now that they're making the call, I'm just, I think we might actually get a better team than, than, on paper anyway, than traditionally goes over. Okay. That's a very interesting point, And we'll keep tabs on that as well. It'd be cool to cover world championships. Dude. 
don't even, what do you mean? It would be like 100%. If you ever get a chance, you should run to the airport. Don't even pack. You don't need clothes. Just bring your passport. I, I think I need clothes. No, if you bring your passport and your laptop and go, like, don't even think about it. The first world championship I covered actually was 2006 in Riga, Latvia, which is this year is one of the co-hosts. One mm-hmm. of the best experiences of my entire life. Like that's not even an exaggeration. How cool that was. Um, this we're going way long today, so I won't. I won't go into. Dude, that's fine. Like, go ahead. No, but I'll no. I'll tell stories on that as we get close to that tournament. I got like legit cool stories from there. But it was so awesome. Um, it was so cool to see hockey in that environment. It's all NHL players. There's GMs everywhere. Agents are around. Like it's. There's just no reason not to go. I mean, the, the hardest thing is that there's very few North American reporters that get to cover it. But some of my best friends now in, in life are European reporters that were covering those tournaments that I became lifelong friends with that I still visit with in the summers and keep in touch with. So like it's it's absolutely worth going. And and I'll share with you, too, when I'm winding down my career, which is not yet, and it's hopefully a long way off, I'm going to find yeah. my way back to covering those tournaments, you know, when, when I'm sort of out of the day to day mix of the NHL. I, I liked it that much. And um, yeah. Put it on your bucket list, your career bucket list somewhere. All right, cool, man. I feel like I've 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 been I've gone through so much in year one. I mean, I gotta gotta pace myself. Oh yeah, sorry. There's no patience is actually no rush. I'll say this: patience is the key to anything you want to do well. Like it's not about accumulating these experiences quickly. It's about absorbing them and building your way through and going through ups and downs and getting there over time. I mean, patience patience is the one skill in every industry that will serve you well. Uh, patience and passion, the two P's. Um, but you know, yeah, so I'm not saying you have to get there this year. If it might be 15 years from now, but I hope some of these words ring in your ears when you get the chance to go, because you should absolutely go. Absolutely. Uh, as we continue to push P on, uh, the CJ show, huh. uh, we need to mention, uh, another show, uh, that oh, announced, yeah. uh, that it will be coming to an end in a couple of weeks, uh, a show that, uh, you and I know very well, especially if you are in Canada, uh, Tim and Friends, uh, you may have remembered it as Tim and Sid, uh, is coming off the air after April 11. Uh, Tim McAuliffe, who hosts the show, uh, made a uh, announcement uh, at the start of uh, today's episode uh, saying that April 11th will be the final time we will see uh, Tim and Friends on the air. And then Tim will be moving to uh, Sportsnet Central. And uh, I'm sad about it. Uh, it's a great show. Uh, I've been on a couple times. I know you've gotten to be on the show as well. Uh, I think more when they, when obviously when you were still at Sportsnet and also when Sid was there, but even then, like that's a, it's, it was tough to see uh, that uh, that show would be coming to an end. Oh man. I wish we had the air horns that they play on their show. I'd love to give them the air horns. Yeah. I mean, these guys are both been a huge part of my career when I was working at Sportsnet, they they came over when I was new there and they had a afternoon radio show and I was on every week. I was a regular and, and they were, you know, they put me on when not everyone was putting me on and, and they were, what strikes me about Tim and Sid initially, and, and obviously it carried on to Tim and friends too, um, is that they, they made sports fun. Like they, it's kind of like what we try to do in our pod now. Like, I guess in a way we're derivative of that because it's not just giving you the news or the opinion on who should start a net or this or that. It's like, they made it fun and we goofed around so much. And then when they moved to their, their show that was on television from five to seven, I was on there a ton in those days. And even when it went to Tim and friends before I left sports, then I was on quite often with Tim, um, you know, so spent a lot of time with those guys and really just loved their show. Honestly, still continue to be fans of Tim's and Sid's uh, now that he's on breakfast television from afar. 
So I didn't want to let this moment pass without kind of shouting those guys out. Like this is a tough time in our industry. I think, I mean, that, it's not that this is a particularly tough time. It's, it's been a constant tough time. And so there's, there's not a lot of places for talent to show their, their worth. And so I think something is lost, like taking Tim out of that spot. And, and, you know, I think that really him and Tim and Sid originally you know, did a lot of interesting stuff in Canadian media that wasn't being done. So I hope that those spaces get filled somewhere else. I hope they get filled at the SDPN and lots of other spots because, uh, you know, Tim McAuliffe and Sid Zixera are two of the best and just just kind of felt a little little bit of like, oh, crap. Another another yeah. cool another cool thing gone. But you know what's great about that is that something always, you know, positive grows up in, in the in the absence of, you know, in the, it's, when something dies, something grows up beyond it. So I know Tim's career is far from over. Sid's career is far from over. And we'll keep uh, hoping those guys shine their light. I just want to shout them out too and say uh, I got the first time I was ever on Tim and Friends was uh, during the uh, the 2021 Stanley Cup playoffs and when the Canadians were going on their run and I got to be on the show. And that was incredible for me because I got to visit the set in 2015 and I got to meet Tim and Sid, and that was a really cool moment. And to be honest, like with that show, like I was very late to those two. Uh, one of my good friends, uh, Trist- uh, Tristan Damol, who uh, we ha- used to have a podcast together, the Scrum Podcast. He was really big on Tim and Fre- on Tim and Sid, and he put me on. And then when I met those two, it was like, wow, these guys are incredible. And I watched as often as I could on TV. And then to be on the show was just like a, a career moment for me. And and every other time I've been on since, whether with Tim or uh, Jesse Rubinoff or Ailish Forfar being on or, or Faisal Kamisa as well. Uh, it has always been a good time. They've always been about making sports fun and, and just, I I'm going to miss that show and I'm going to miss uh, having that opportunity to be on that show as well. Uh, and I wish nothing but the best for Tim. I mean, I know Sid's doing his thing at, uh, at breakfast television. He loves our podcast. Every time I was on with him on BT, he found a way to, to, you know, say some good things about us. So thank you, Sid, but uh, uncle Timmy, man, uh, gonna miss you, man. I love the. He's not going anywhere. He's going to Sports at Central, but like, just it's just. He's gonna find. I love way. the Tim and Friends thing, man. I know. And I, well, I especially love. An, I know. It's another bit of unique programming that's getting placed by replaced by simulcast. Like it's just a sign of the times. Yeah. Like, like I mean, it. Shout out to NHL Network. I guess they're going to be taking the place of, of uh, of of Tim and Friends, but also like. Just the idea of like original content, original programming. Like, I wish that was so much more of a thing on TV. It just isn't. It just sucks. It does. But again, let's look at the opportunity here. How many people are watching this on YouTube right now? We don't need linear television to get to the people. They like, don't. There's, like, there's a lot. There's there's opportunity here, man. Let's focus on the positives. And I like Timmy is. He's too creative. He's too smart. He's too got too much of a falling. He's gonna find his way too. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, I hope wherever he goes, he continues to make uh, dance hall references because I, thir- as a person of Caribbean descent, I thoroughly appreciated uh, any type of uh, dance hall reference he would make uh, whenever I was on the show. Anyway, uh, best of luck to Uncle Timmy and uh, best of luck to everyone else on that show. And now it's time for Ask CJ. We'll be taking questions from Let's viewers do rapid like you. fire. My brain rapid is fire. melting. Okay, let's do it. Been a long uh, day. Katie Pruss, even if the Penguins make the playoffs, do you think there's a chance that Ron Hextall gets fired? Of 
course. I mean, you have a new ownership group in Pittsburgh and Fenway sports. I know they've been on the scene now for a year, year and a half, but um, I don't have any specific information to say that's the case, but it wouldn't surprise me to see them look, you know, long and hard at the direction of the organization. And, and look, I think that whether it's this off season or coming a little bit beyond that Pittsburgh's facing a huge decision, right? I mean, they're, they're, they, they've got these franchise legends and we understand why they re-signed Malkin and Latang. like, totally get it no criticism there but it's it's going to become increasingly increasingly more difficult with none of their own prospects coming along or very few of them to to be competitive and at some point big changes are going to be needed and and what that ownership group will have to determine is if ron hextall is the right man to do that uh, job herschel give us your top three picks to win the masters rory mcelroy tiger woods scotty scheffler I like that. Tiger Woods, even uh, Tiger Woods. I've been cheering for Tiger Woods since I was 15 years old. That is true. So I'm not uh, I'm not backing down from that one. Obviously, it would just be cool to see him make the cut. McElroy is my my heart pick um, because I just want to see him complete the career grand slam. Really think highly of him. Love the guy. Scotty Scheffler is my brain pick, my mind pick. I think he's playing the best of anyone yet again, same as last year, and, and obviously he's defending his master's title. So um, John Rom probably is the one I left on the sidelines of those three, but I'm I'm going to stick with uh, McElroy, Woods, and Scheffler. Did you see the video? Speaking of golf, of Brooks Kepka at that Panthers game the other day, was that real? I mean, that I saw was it, him, and, and he, he yelled, was calling Ekblad a pylon. Yeah, or sorry, a traffic cone. He called him a traffic cone, which is the same thing, but he just you know quoting him directly. Honestly, I don't want to go in on this because I, I I saw that in my feed, but I'm like, is this AI? Like, is this real? Like, does this, this is real. I need context. I need context. I, I, I honestly, all we have is that video, and he has the cone, and he's like holding it up in his box, I guess, with his buddies. And at the end, he's like, "Ekblad, you suck." All I'm saying we'll- is a lot of weird things happen in the boxes at Panthers games. Do you Ow. remember? Oh, I remember. I'm never gonna forget that. Shout out Kodak Black and uh, his lady. So I don't know like what's real, but if that was real, that's hilarious. I didn't know is Kapka a hockey fan. Like I need more info, but I yeah, no I, idea. me too. I saw the video. If you didn't, it's, it's almost just like two worlds colliding. You don't expect to collide. Let's get back to the rapid fire. Samuel Fleming. So I know everyone is focusing on the second wildcard race in the West, but isn't the Seattle Edmonton race just as important? Because if you win the central, wouldn't you rather face the Kraken as opposed to the Oilers? Yes, Samuel, I agree. I mean, it's dangerous always to try to pick your opponent, but come on. Edmonton's game breakers. Edmonton's got experience. Um, You know, clearly the teams have been close in the regular season in terms of points gained. I think the Kraken have been a great story. I've been on record as saying I'm actually cheering for them to make the playoffs. But, you know, I look at them with one of the worst goaltending tandems as measured by save percentage in the league. The fact that they haven't been there, that they they sort of lack that star power, that game-breaking power. Unless Batty, Matty Beneers goes ham, could happen. Um, but I would think if you're if you're being honest and you're leading the Central Division and you're saying it's going to be either Edmonton or Seattle, you're you you want the Kraken. I mean that's that's bulletin board stuff. If a team ever said that or a player said that, but I think that's just the truth. I've never heard you say ham before. I'm trying to you know trying to spice it up. Clearly, yeah. 
uh, from PiloD34 off Discord. With three-point games making it hard to make up ground in a playoff race, what do you think of three points for a regulation win while keeping OT and shootout wins two points and an overtime loss and a shootout loss one point? Would this promote more risks, more risks and more goals? Yes, it would. It, it, and it would also incentivize teams to win games in regulation, right? And not hang on as much for overtime. Uh, the league clearly doesn't want it because I think it probably sorts out the standings a little bit more. Although I shouldn't just throw that out there. I should actually run the numbers and see if that's the case. Cause we could actually probably apply that to this current standings. Um, but I, I think in some ways that would be better. It would more reward the teams that are winning in regulation, the way the NHL has chosen though to do that. And, and I shouldn't discount it is they do have the first tiebreakers regulation and overtime wins. Um, so they, they, they are rewarding regular regulation wins. It's just not reflected in the point total, but yeah. I mean, I feel like I bang on about these same topics over and over again, but I, I don't know that we, ha- I don't know that we have the fairest regular season setting up the playoffs. I just, I don't. Um, but the good news is, is this year, there's no debate. I mean, Boston, Boston is by far like this is, it's probably should be worth more than who wins the Stanley cup to be that dominant in a regular season. I know that it won't be viewed that way. It's not the way the sport's set up, but whether or not the Bruins win the Stanley cup should almost be immaterial. Like this has been a historic, amazing, incredible season. Um, by any measure, like literally any way you look at it, like there's not, there's not one way to, to, so go like, yeah, but to their performance, like they just blew the league out of the water and look out. Cause then it starts at zero in three weeks, which is crazy. That is true. A uh, future episode idea. Uh, what if the league ran exactly the way Chris Johnston wanted it to? Oh man. Future episode idea. So don't feel pressured to come up with any of your rules now. I, I have feel like a suggestion sh- for you, though. I feel like we could do that in the summer, maybe, or something. That's a summer episode idea. Absolutely. Like, that's got to be like, that. that's got to be like kicking back, like really dreaming big, thinking outside the box, kicking around crazy ideas. It's hard oh, yeah. to do that when we're still in the kind of day to day of the season. Final one for you from Kratos. Which teams do you both enjoy watching this year? The Bruins cheap answer they're they're awesome like they're so good like Pasternak so to, I mentioned this earlier in the episode Pasternak for me would be the MVP in a world without McDavid but we live in a world with McDavid so that isn't the case but like he is so good 51 goals now um there's just there's no that's that's domination unlike the way the sport can be dominated so that to me I find them very entertaining did you know, and I, I was talking about this on, on on the Athletic Hockey Show, or at least it was mentioned today, whether we were on air or not, David Pasternak is the only Boston Bruin in the top 60 in scoring in terms of points. He's the only Bruin in the top 60. I didn't know that, but it just furthers my case to make him the the in the B-flight. He's the B-flight Hart Trophy winner. Like... But by the way, number 61 in terms of points, Brad Marchand. Right. Well, and he missed games too, but yes. Anyway, uh, still David Pasternak. What a season from him. Who do you like watching? Um, You see more of the Western teams. Is there anyone out there that jumps to mind or Colorado, Colorado, watching them from up close, watching them in their own building. They're scary quick. There's like, like watching, like, I know what I, I like watching Connor McDavid play. There's something about watching, Nathan McKinnon do an end-to-end rush that legitimately terrifies me as a human being. Like, I feel like he's going to run someone over every single time. And I, I it's just, 
he's that good. Colorado, watching them play. Um, Seattle, I've liked their speed. I've liked their quickness. Uh, Buffalo, when they came to a Flames, uh, it was a Flames uh, Sabres game earlier on in the year. I was really impressed with their skill and their speed. And now they were basically walking the Calgary Flames pretty much the entirety of that game. That was super wild for me. You're um, highlighting teams that are likely to score seven, but also might give up seven. Well, I think that's that's it, which, right? The, which next, is the next team I was going to mention was Edmonton. Right, which is pretty, which is good for entertainment value. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I think those teams are among the uh, – Dallas. I will give a shout-out to Dallas. I like how Dallas plays as well. They're a really good team. Carolina, too. Yeah, I, I Carolina, the one game I saw them at the Dome – uh, that was a pretty entertaining game. I think the Flames won that in overtime. I watched that in the stands, actually. That's the one game I watched from the stands this year. They played Carolina. They played a really good game. For a team that defends really well, they have some timely scoring and some really good offensive options. So Carolina also deserves a shout-out. You are right. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. It's been a good season, I, man. Like, I'll say that. Like, yeah. it's been a good season. We didn't maybe give the most spirited answer at the end of this long podcast, but... I think this has been like one of the more entertaining seasons I've covered in my years around the league. I think uh, I would love to see what the playoffs look like. I think if the if the Leafs win around this year, then we're talking about one of the one of the most interesting interesting seasons, like for sure in terms of just storylines and and just things going on. Absolutely. You know we're gonna get chaos. It's the playoffs. I love chaos. I love it. And There's like, even few, if the like, establish really it, good teams and everyone thinks they're just going to win and it might not go that way. Like I'm not, I'm actually not, I'm not side-eyeing anyone in particular with that comment. I'm no, really no. not. I'm more just saying that there's like five or six teams that have high ambitions. A lot of teams in the East went all in at the deadline, all that stuff. There's going to be some heartbreak, but then there's just going to be some absolute chaos. Even if the flames don't make it, I'm genuinely looking forward to watching like playoff games, like from my couch. I'm really looking forward to Dude. it. Like it's Dude, the best. It's amazing. It's so first fun. you can watch cool. Tiger and Rory go head to head at the Masters, right down the stretch, and then you can just go right into playoff, like watching three or four games a day for the first week or two, just binging. April sixth, April 9th, That's when the Masters are on. I love the Masters because of the. I'll just be real. It's the golf tournament right before my birthday, so that's why I love the Masters. <laughs> It's also signals the start of spring, too, depending too. on where you live. That, too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'm looking forward to more episodes of the CJ Show. I'm looking forward to more episodes as we get into the playoffs. Uh, Thursday, we will uh, do stick taps as we normally do. And, uh, yeah, man, just more fun stuff going forward, man. Hey, maybe we both end up in Toronto at the same time at some point, and we do an episode from that big fancy studio. Dude, I'm here every day that the Leafs aren't playing in the playoffs. So, on the road, I mean. Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll figure that out as uh, we uh, are three weeks you, away. You, me, and Reporter Nick. You heard it here Reporter first. Nick. Reporter Nick. That's the new nickname, baby. <laughs> All right. Thursday, we'll be back with a brand new episode. Subscribe to the podcast, uh, however you listen to the show. Uh, yeah. Peace, people. For CJ, I'm Julian. Yeah. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.